Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Shalom, shalom, everybody. Hey, welcome back to Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon, coming to you all the way from southwest Louisiana. And I hope everyone is good. Everything is going well. And um, it's just a privilege and honor to be with you guys today here on Hebrew Nation Online or the Hebrew Nation Podcast or the Out of Ashes Ministries Podcast. Wherever you might be listening to this, whatever day you might be listening to, I hope it is a great day great day. So thanks to everybody who's joining in. For all of you guys who are here for the first time, I know you might get tired of hearing this if you listen over and over, but I'm sorry. I just got to do it. It's the Southern thing to be polite and courteous. I just want to welcome all of you guys who might be listening for the first time. Um, Catch us on our website, outofashesministries.org. We live stream there every Shabbat. Uh, at 10 a.m. Central. Uh, we also have a mobile app. We've got on YouTube and on Facebook and all that kind of good stuff. So come check us out. Uh, join in our cyber mishpaka, our cyber family, and uh, tell us where you're from. Tell us who you are. We'd love to get to know you and uh, just to to bless you. Say Shabbat Shalom and, uh, and wish you well and pray for you and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, for our regular listeners, man, you guys are just incredible. I so appreciate all the comments and... Uh, and support and all those kinds of things uh, over the last uh, year and a couple months that we've had the program. Uh, I also want to say just a real quick shout out to the leadership at Hebrew Nation. Uh, awesome, awesome people. And uh, I'm so thankful to be able to be in this on this platform and have their company uh, and their friendship. And uh, so it's, it's all good. It's good stuff. So on today's episode, we're going to be continuing on with our discussion um, of kind of where are we, what are we doing, um, what does politics and religion have to do with each other, and uh, where does that put us as the body of Messiah, as image bearers of the great king, um, and what are we supposed to be learning during this time? We're reading from uh, Jeremiah and looking at Jeremiah chapters 28 and 29. We'll finish that today, and then we'll just kind of visit the rest of the episode about what are the implications of uh, maybe what, what Hashem is doing uh, in our time. And so I hope you're enjoying the conversation. I hope it's challenging and edifying to you. Uh, let's go to the Father in prayer before we get on with today's episode. Father, we bless you. You're the creation blesses its creator. And Father, I pray for everyone listening that you would give us a sense of wisdom, give us your spirit of wisdom, that we might navigate these times and that we may bear your image appropriately in our world. everybody. So as I said before, today we're jumping back in Jeremiah chapters 28 and 29. Uh, and again, 
I know there's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of voices swirling around for your attention uh, between the media, if you listen to, you know, uh, mainstream media or whatever, uh, there's a lot of religious voices that are vying for your attention and uh, to try to, you know, uh, make clear what's going on in these days and and uh, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I know there's a ton of opinion out there and I'm just adding mine to the mix. Um, you can take it, you can leave it. It really doesn't, you know, it doesn't, um, I'm not expecting a following. That's not what this is about. Uh, this is not about me cap- trying to capitalize on a moment. Uh, and as uh, the saying is, never waste a crisis. That's not what this is. I just want to throw my opinion out there because um, I think that there is uh, so much confusion and so much chaos. Uh, my purpose is to bring a little bit of order, hopefully, and to bring a little bit of peace and hope um, to the situation because I think that's what the Scripture is all about. Uh, I personally... Uh, tend to view the scripture less predictive as I used to, uh, which means I, I believe that God does tell and and He does speak to to prophets and and people to to tell what's going to happen, to predict what's going to happen. Um, and I believe the New Testament, in a sense, does some of that, but I don't believe it's nearly as predictive as I once thought. And so I think the word is more for those of us in the moment. And what we're supposed to to glean from the scripture right here in the moment. So um, that's what my purpose is. Uh, I don't want to predict the future, and I don't want to try to tell you what's going to happen. Because frankly, I don't know, and neither does anyone else. Uh, only Hashem knows, and it's not our job, in my opinion, to be wasting and spending energy uh, on trying to figure out what's going to happen in the future. Our job is to be living well now and to be impacting this world. Uh, for the kingdom and the reputation of God right now, right here, uh, and bringing about restoration to Kun Olam wherever we can. So that's that's the that's my point in that's uh, my motivation in uh, throwing my opinion into the mix for for anyone who might, might care. So <laughs> last uh, episode we uh, we talked about the idea of of God scattering Israel um, into the nations. Uh, as a, sort of a dragnet effect, so that when restoration happens, when uh, when the final geula, when the final redemption happens, um, that there would be people all over uh, that would be that would have relationship with friends and family and neighbors and coworkers and uh, you know and and those in influence and all that would that would be able to turn those people towards allegiance to Hashem, uh, thus fulfilling uh, the the prophecy and the the you know, the point of, of Hashem that all the nations would, would serve him uh, because the whole earth is Hashem's, right? And so uh, we talked about that a little bit. And we got into uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 28 and 29. And uh, I got to tell you, you know, as I said last week, I, I remember reading through Jeremiah a couple months ago and, and just in the back of my mind, I could not wait to get to verse chapter 11, verse uh, chapter 29, verse 11, excuse me. Twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts and plans, you know, because that was that was always been my um, my my life verse kind of thing. And and every day I lived with the expectation um, that God had my best at heart and in mind, and uh, that He was going to prosper me, you know, every day. And and while I believe that's true, and while I believe that God has been faithful to do that, it doesn't look exactly like what I was told it would look like. And so uh, there creates a cognitive dissonance, and for a lot of people. Uh, that can create a real, a real, you know, crisis in their faith uh, through that cognitive dissonance, and, and I've walked through that, and, and still am in, in a lot of areas as we kind of unlearn what we've been 
taught, not that all of it was bad, but unlong what we've been taught and, and try to get a more biblical understanding um, of what God is really doing, how God really reacts. I've said this a lot in the past, but for those who practice a systematic theology, that's a seminary term. Not, I, didn't, I never went to seminary, but that's a seminary term, a systematic theology, that, that the Bible itself pushes against systematic theology. In other words, God acts this way, period, and you can kind of predict what God's going to do and figure God pushes against that himself. Um, you know, I love the story. I read a, a blog post by uh, Dr. Carmen Imes, who I've promoted her book before. I hope to have her on the podcast at some point. We can get our schedules aligned because I want you to hear what she has to say. It's just, uh, it's awesome. I love it. So she read, wrote a blog post about um, and in, in about what's going on today. And in that blog post, she, she referenced uh, Joshua standing before the, the angel of the Lord. And, and Joshua says, you know, whose side are you on? Are you for us or are you for them? And, you know, the angel's response is like, basically like, neither one, you know, I'm here. Uh, uh, and, and just her point was, you know, Joshua is the leader of Israel, the covenant nation, and the, the people that God has given promises to and given favor to and promised this land and, and all the, you know, the great exodus and the, the miracles that happen and the plagues and all these kinds of things. And, and, and yet when the representative of Israel stands before the angel of Hashem and says, whose side are you on? You would think that, that, you know, with sword pulled, the angel would go, let's go get them, tiger. Like, let's, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm here to, to, to have your back. Um, he goes, no, mm-mm. No. So, you know, I mean, this is idea of like systematic theology doesn't really work, doesn't work in scripture. It doesn't, it doesn't work. You can't cut, you can't put God in a box. Um, as far as a, from a predictor, predictive, predictive sense, <laughs> from a predictive sense, you can't really put God in a box. God's going to do what God's going to do in his own time and in his own, uh, for his own purposes. And, um, and what we have to do is worry about what we know and what we can do now. Um, and not try to spend energy and time and emotion and, and all these things trying to predict what's going to happen. Um, God didn't tell us necessarily. He didn't. He didn't. You know. He told us how to live, and that's what we. That's what we're supposed to do. That salt and light thing. That's so super important. So, um, back into Jeremiah chapter twenty nine. So chapter twenty eight, where we have the prophet uh, Hananiah, and he's bringing kind of a soothsaying message. And I, I wanted to be careful last episode to say. We can't psychoanalyze Hananiah, right? We don't know what Hananiah's intention for giving the prophecy uh, that he did, what his intention was. We don't know uh, if he was sincerely, he really felt like this is what Hashem was saying. Um, and, and that's, you know, we can kind of cut him some slack in that case. Or, uh, we're not told, but or is he hearing the grumbling of the people and the, 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 just the turmoil of the people and says, I know what'll I know what'll get me in their good graces. I know what'll you know what'll get keep me in the court and keep me legitimate. Um, I'll, I'll do this, you know. I'll say this, and th- this will, will soothe their 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 turmoil, and you know, will kind of give them some hope. And uh, and man, Jeremiah is just not having any of it. And so we're in chapter twenty nine, the the chapter that you know I I was waiting to get to <laughs> reading through this a, a couple months ago, and just want to recap a little bit that. Um, verse four, Jeremiah says, this is what Hashem Almighty, the God of Israel says, uh, to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, um, God carried them into exile. And I just want to reiterate the point and kind of beat the proverbial dead horse that while exile is a consequence 
And I believe, as I said last week, I believe exile is the most severe consequence um, that there is. If we, if we look at any of the exiles, uh, at any of the exilic you know, moments, and we look at the, the, the moments, the years leading up to that exile, God is continually um, asking, pe- asking you know, the leaders and the nation to repent. He's continually uh, dealing with them, and, and it may be famine. And as bad as famine is, it's not as bad as exile. It may be the death of a generation, but as bad as the death of a generation is, and, and I mean like in a human sense, losing, literally losing a generation of your, your parents or your children, whatever that, that may be, as bad as that is, it's not, it's not as bad as, ex, as exile. Exilation is, the, um, is the, the last resort, is the absolute last resort. Um, and yet in that consequence and in that negative thing that we think like, oh, it's exile, Hashem has a purpose, guys, and He has a... He has a reason for doing it. We read uh, Zechariah seven fourteen, which talks about uh, God scatter. I've scattered them, you know, to nations that they did not know. Um, and think about that as broadcasting seed. God's not done just because He sent you into exile. As a matter of fact, as Jeremiah says here in verse four, God carried them into exile. God carries us into exile. It's not that he's done with us. It's not like, you know, yes, that uh, sa'ah, that to, to scatter. Um, it, it is the kind of idea of chaff. You know, he says, I, I sa'ah them, I, I exiled them with a whirlwind. And that's kind of like the chaff thing, you know. But in the sense that God is never throws away. He doesn't throw his people away. He, he ne- that's super replacement theology like that. And we don't, we don't believe in that. That is, that is if, if God can throw away his covenant people, which, by the way, was the Jewish people, the Israelite people, way before it was us. If he can throw them away, then we ought to be trembling in fear at what God could do to us. And I just don't, I just, I don't want to believe that God would do that with me. I don't want to believe that he did that with them because I don't, that's not, it's just not the case. And so I, he, when he scatters them, he brought them into exile which you could also read in as to say that he went with them into exile. He is with them. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us, even in exile. And that exile is for a purpose. And we read the, the purpose, in my opinion, here in Jeremiah, in this, this letter that he sends uh, to the exiles in Babylon from Jerusalem. He's sending this from Jerusalem, right? And we'll start in verse 5, and we'll kind of go through what we, what we did uh, last, uh, last week, and then we'll move on. He says, this is what Hashem Almighty God of Israel says to all I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 5, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. That's just, mm. so here's why this gets me so much. Uh, let, let me just keep reading and then I'll, I'll comment. Um, build houses and eat with, verse 6, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, verse 7, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Okay, okay, so wait, stop, time out, time out. Okay, so first of all, build houses and settle down, settle there. In exile? But this is not our home, this is not the place you promised us. Uh, the old gospel song, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through, right? Again, what I talked about last week in, in last week's episode about uh, whatever we expect, you know, the things that we expect and perception is reality, 
if we expect to be uh, raptured out of here uh, to this invisible heavenly place, right, to the heavenly kingdom, uh, to live there forever, and, and we don't think we're ever, like there's no point, then if that's the case, then there's no point in earth. There's no point in existing here. There's, there's no point in God in, in all of this history, 6,000 years or however long you think it's been, there's no point in any of this if the end is to take us out of here to some other place. Then what, then, then what does that mean? That so diminishes life here. It diminishes your life and my life and our children and our parents and our experiences and our victories and our pain. It diminishes all of that. It minimizes all of that to mere puppetry and, and an empty existence. It's not the point. The point is that God wants to restore this place. He created this place in Bereshit 1 and he said it was very good. And he wants to redeem and restore this place. We're not going anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Or if we do, it's going to be for a short time and then we're coming right back here so that we can engage and partner, which is a word we've used a lot, partner with Hashem to restore and redeem this earth. New creation. So, the, that, that expectation of getting out of here just is kind of like, why? why? Then why? Why, God? Why all the hurt? Why all the pain? Why all the trials? What, are you, what is your sick game here if you're just going to go one day, okay, well, you're done. I'm pulling you out. It just, it's, it's, it's such a, a toxic way to live. A toxic is the only word I can think to describe it. It's, it's toxic. And so he, he tells them, go, I, I carried you into exile. Go ahead and build houses. You know, take take wives for your sons. Give your sons, uh, give your daughters in marriage. Um, decrease, uh, don't don't decrease. Increase, right? Ex- we have Exodus kind of uh, language that sh- we should be picking up on. Um, he wants us to settle in exile. He wanted Israel to settle in exile. Yeah. See, we. I was told a, a major lie, and it, it's not for. It's not. It wasn't nefarious. It was good intended, you know, well intended. But I was told a major lie from junior high, high school, college. And it even is a message that is in, in Christendom today. That you were born to change the world. World changers. I mean, we had conferences and retreats. Uh, there were songs about it. We sang about it. We, you know, um, you, were, you were put here to be a world changer. And while that's a well-intentioned message... And I know that Hashem has set some people who will impact the world. I believe that. For most of us, and I include myself in, in, this, in this camp, for most of us, uh, or let me just say for me, because I don't want to speak for you, for me what that caused, for me, is a, an attention on changing the world, the bigger things, the bigger things, the more broader things, the, 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 more, the shinier, you know, the, the bigger audiences, the bigger platforms, the bigger uh, influence and all that, that it caused me to see my immediate world and my immediate uh, surroundings, you know, the circle of influence we talk about that, that Hashem has given me. It caused me um, to, to see that as, as less than important. It caused me to minimize my, my immediate circle um, and so, you know, this little youth group that I lead or this little congregation that I lead or this little, you know, congregation that I'm a part of 
or even it's a massive congregation. You know, this mega church that I'm a part of, you know, these people that are that are I'm with all the time, um, what's the statement that um, familiarity breeds contempt, right? Um, we as as believers, we many of us who came out of that kind of that kind of message, we sort of have a contempt for um, for the the people that are are just we're with every day, right? For the, the people that are ordinary uh, and that we're around every day, we kind of have a contempt for them because they're not the world. You know what I mean? Like uh, they're just stepping stones to like and influence the world. And and what that's created is it's created this this ineffectiveness in the church uh, and in the body of Messiah where we don't give enough credence to the mundane everyday. And I don't say mundane negatively. We don't give a credence to the everyday kind of, you know, kind of just boring life stuff. And and I believe that, and I think this is a, a you know, this is a, a thought that comes from Judaism, but that the Torah, one of the purposes of the Torah is to elevate the mundane things of life, to elevate them as worship to Hashem. So everything, the reason why Torah touches so many areas of life is because it's elevating all the mundaneness of life to, to worship for, with, for Hashem, to worship to Him and to, to, uh, to tikkun olam, to restoring the, the mundane things. You can't restore the earth um, from the top down. It has to be restored from the bottom up. And so I think this is so important because our perception is reality and what we, have, we, what we expect is what we're going to follow, what we're going to wish to see. And yet Jeremiah tells the people, you know what, in exile, wherever you are, go ahead and build, build houses. One of the reasons, you know, uh, Jeremiah tells Hananiah that, that um, he, will be, he will be wiped off the face of the earth because of the rebellion. And what is that rebellion? I believe it's that Hananiah gave these people a two-year window and said in two years, all of it's going to be like, it's all going to be Gucci. It's all going to be kosher. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take care of Nebuchadnezzar. You guys will all be free and all that, whatever. So what that creates in a people is it creates a, a, a hope, a false hope, where you're looking forward to that two years. So whatever you're dealing with now, the, so imagine you're in Israel and Babylon. You know from Hananiah that in two years, you're going to be up out this place. So who cares about your neighbor? Who cares about the, the kids across the street? Who cares, about the, who cares about the leadership, Nebuchadnezzar and his court? Like, who Who cares? Who cares about the idolatry going on around you? Who cares about any of that stuff? You can't do anything about it anyway. And hey, maybe you're not supposed to because you're only going to be here two years and then you're going to be out. Is that God's intention? Absolutely not. God's intention, Jeremiah tells us that he carried them into exile. I believe, personally, Joe believes, it's because it's in this part of his letter that you're to build houses, give and merit, live, live, and also seek the prosperity of the city where you're living. That means you have to be involved in relationship. That means you have to, you have to actually care about the people around you. You actually have to work, not just care like, oh, I'm praying for you. You actually have to work for the people around you. That means you have to bring over some, uh, you know, you have to bring over some gefilte fish to your Babylonian neighbor who's been under the weather or whatever. That's dumb. But anyway, you know what I mean? You, you have to bring a hummus tray or a, what are those new things that everybody's all up in arms about lately? Uh, uh, charcuterie board or whatever. I don't even know how you, how you say, you know, the piece of wood with cheese and crackers and stuff on it. Um, but, you know, bring a covered dish uh, if you're in the South. Bring a casserole, you know, over to your, your Babylonian neighbor um, that worships at... at 
a pagan temple that probably has idols in their house, right? Who are teaching their children the ways of idolatry. Build relationships with those people and care about them. Seek the prosperity of your, the city where you live, verse seven, to which again, I have carried you into exile. Pray to Hashem, pray to Hashem for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Verse eight, yes, this is what Hashem Almighty, the God of Israel says. And and then listen to this. Oh, this is so, so incredible. I'll tell you what, we're gonna wait and get to this next verse. uh, Verse, um, what is that? Uh, Verse eight, still continuing verse eight. We're gonna get to this after the break. Uh, Come back after the break. We're gonna read some more Jeremiah 29. And then we're gonna riff a little bit and talk about what we can do practically that might uh, help us in this time to bring kingdom. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. Second segment in this episode of Image Bearers Radio. So we're in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 8. We haven't gotten to the money verse, <laughs> everybody's life verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. I say that tongue-in-cheek because it was mine for a while, but we'll, we'll get to it and we'll talk about it. Uh, so Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 8. Yes, this is what Hashem Almighty, the Lord God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. What is he hearkening back to? I have to think he has Hananiah in mind, right? Going like, listen, th- this this Hananiah guy, he wanted you to, he, he which he, Hananiah is a legitimate line of the prophets. Like he and Jeremiah have this discussion in chapter 20, uh, 28. But he says, Hananiah, what Hananiah is doing, and there there is a, man, if I could even say this, there's a spirit of Hananiah in the church, in the, the Hebrew roots, in the people of faith, period, uh, I, the Protestant people of faith. I'm not Catholic. I've never been Catholic. I have good Catholic friends, but I can't really say like, how they think about all these things. Uh, might be an interesting episode. But the, the, Hananiah, the spirit of Hananiah says, like, oh, your, your hope is over there somewhere. So that, and he never says this, but it, what we think, what it makes us think is, so this, this temporal place right here is not important. Because over there is where redemption is. Over there is where restoration is. Over there is Geulah. Um, over there is, is where our hope is. And so this place here doesn't really matter. And so Jeremiah says, listen, don't let the prophets and desi- the diviners among you deceive you. As a matter of fact, in the beginning, uh, in the end of chapter 28, he, Jeremiah says that the Lord calls that rebellion. Oh, I don't know if it's, I don't know how hard it is for you guys to, to, to think about this and to kind of change this way of thinking, but it's a tough thing. It's a, it's a mental gymnastic that like this is a rebellion. It's a rebellion to think that hope is over there. It's a rebellion to think that I'm going to be a world changer whenever I am, I am not affecting my immediate circle of influence because I'm so focused on being a world changer. 
And I've said this over and over, um, going back to Ferguson, do you remember Ferguson and all the riots? The, 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 the conversation I had with several of my, my black friends was, listen, I, I can't change America as a whole. Not, I'm not, not me personally. I mean, if there's somebody out there, somebody listening, that God's called you to political office and, and has given you, you know, a vision of, of being an influencer, if you're not doing that, that's rebellion for you. You better figure out how to get into office and you better start knocking on doors and talking to people and you better begin to walk in that, that call that God has given you. That's not my call. It may be at some point, but it's not now. I have no aspirations to do that. But some of you are that. And if you're not doing that, then what are you doing? We need you. We need you doing your thing. Um, but for those, for those of us, the rest of us, that we, we go to the grocery store, we go to work, we come home, we spend time with our families, we go to Shabbat, you know, congregation or, or whatever we, you know, we do, we do our, our community thing. That's, that's just, you know, what we might think of as kind of just the mundaneness of life. But like I said, the, the reason for Torah, one of the reasons for Torah is to elevate that mundaneness because the world has not changed from, from the top down. It's changed. In political circles, you talk about grassroots efforts, Right. Those are the real deep, meaningful things, the grassroots efforts. Those are the things that really shape, um, really shape a nation and a people and the world. And so he says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. And these words, oh my gosh, these words are so, they're so crazy and in your face. I think these words are a lot of the things that like we've, you've had somebody you wanted to tell this to, right? Like, don't lie. You've had a friend or somebody that so oh, somebody gave them a word and blah, blah, blah. And, and you want to go like, listen, don't believe the word that you, you don't believe the dreams you encourage them to have, right? Um, don't listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. This is why I said that I, I, it may have been that Hananiah was like, hey, I know how to get in good with these people. They need hope. I'll give them hope, thus says the Lord. And he died because of it. I mean, that's, you know. Anyway, verse 9. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares Hashem. I got to think Jeremiah's thinking about Hananiah, right? Verse 10. This is what Hashem says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. 70 years is what? Well, in Scripture, a generation is 40 years. So this is almost two generations. This is almost two generations. He says, when two generations have passed, 70 years, it's so like your children might see this, probably your grandchildren, if you're an adult at this point. If you're an adult and you're part of the people and you're listening to Jeremiah, you're reading his letter or you're having his letter read to you, you're in, you know, in synagogue maybe, um, you, you're, you're looking around going like, oh, wait, we, we're not getting out of here? We're, redemption is not coming in our generation? But we're praying and we're studying and we're faithful and we're we're keeping we're keeping Torah in a foreign land. Why wouldn't God why wouldn't God honor our faith and our loyalty, our fidelity, and deliver us? Jeremiah goes, nope, 
The Lord said two generations, 70 years are completed for Babylon. I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Remember Jeremiah's in Jerusalem, writing from Jerusalem. And then he says, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. Let me just say this too. I'm sorry, I keep backtracking because there's so much I want to bring up for, for just to wrestle with, for you to wrestle with, that I'm wrestling with. He says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, you notice the focus of his, uh, of this prophecy is not for Israel. He doesn't say when 70 years are, are completed for Israel. God has a plan for Babylon. God has a, again, why, what would be the purpose in God exiling Israel out of the land to Babylon? Babylon is the, they're the big fish in the ancient Near East, right? They're the, they're the, they're the controlling empire. They're the ruling empire. Where, where does God send his chosen people that have the covenant and the message and the governmental order? Where does, where does he send his people that have, that have been, that have, you know, that once, uh, we're in the in the that once we're in the kingdom of King David. I mean David Hamelik. Where does he where does he send these people to the biggest baddest in control government in on the whole earth? He doesn't send them in some little obscure place like where nobody ever hears from them again. He sends them to the big daddy, the big dog, the head honcho, and he says, "And I want you to build houses there. I want you to to give and take in marriage." I want you to plant vineyards or gardens, as this translation says. I want you to plant vineyards, which is an interesting, um, an interesting thing. I want you to plant gardens. Uh, so check this out. Uh, in we talked last episode about God, uh, about Genesis one, right? God creates humanity, right? In my opinion, not Adam and Eve. Humanity, a population like fish and birds and blah blah blah. He creates a population. In chapter two. God calls a man, Adam, out of that population and sets him up as king and high priest in Eden, which is a picture of sacred space. It's like the temple, the temple, but without a building, maybe. Um, and the, just the idea of, of God's governmental order, and, and it's really Torah before Torah was written down and became a, a covenant thing um, in the sense that we know it. So, and the idea is that, that Adam is to tend the garden, Avod v'shamar, which is priestly, a priestly term, a priestly phrase. Um, avod is to serve, right? And shamar is to protect. Avod v'shamar, serve and protect the garden, the sacred space, my God's, my image in the earth, my, my characteristics, my constitution, my Torah, my, all those things. Um, serve and protect that, and, and I want you to spread it throughout the, um, you know, uh, be fruitful and multiply, spread it throughout the, the, the world, um, as God's kingdom borders, you know, stretch out and God's order is established in creation uh, as a whole, not just in that sacred space of the Garden of Eden. So then what does he tell the people in Babylon? Hey, build houses and plant vineyards or gardens. So what God is asking them to do in Babylon, in exile, he is asking them to set up small Edens. So, so check this out. So, and again, I referenced Dina Dye and Jeff Morton in the last uh, podcast, Returning to Eden podcast. Check it out. Check out Dina's work uh, also. She does a lot of work on, on the, about you know, the temple and, and how that uh, orients into creation. I have several of her, I have all of their temple, all of her temple books, and, uh, and there's something you should read. Um, but she, she kind of put me on to this idea, this theme that I started to see in Scripture 
Um, so in, in, uh, in the garden, you have, uh, it's a garden in Eden, right? So you have the garden, which is the, kind of the, the place of the presence. Then you have Eden, which is around the garden, outside of the garden. And then you have whatsoever, whatever is outside of that. Um, outside of that place, outside of Eden is where Cain kills Abel. It's the wilderness, right? It's, the, it's where the wild things are. It's where, the, there's, where God's rule is not established. God's government is not established outside of that. So then check this out. In the wilderness, right, you have the tabernacle, you have the camp of Israel, and then you have outside of the camp. You see the correlation? Um, in the, the, in the, the temple complex, you have... You have the temple, you have the outer, or you have the, the inner court, the outer court, and then outside the temple, right? Kind of idea. In Israel, you have Jerusalem, you have the land of Israel, and then you have whatever's outside of that. You see the, the correlation? So what God is saying, in my opinion, to the Babylonians is, hey, you're in the wilderness. You're in exile. You're out where the wild things are, where God's government is not established. God's governmental order is not established. Torah is not there. Um, God's attributes are not there. What I want you to do is I want you to build houses, which the temple is called Habayit, the house. Um, the temple mount, Har Habayit, right? The ha- the, you know, it's the house. Uh, I want you to build houses, and I want you to plant gardens. And I want you to give and take in marriage. What happened in the first garden? Adam and Eve. You see, this, this is... This is God saying through Jeremiah, I want you to establish little pockets of Eden out in the exile. <laughs> Is that not awesome? Man, that's incredible. I want you to establish little pockets of Eden out there where I want you to bring order. I want you to bring godly order in those areas where there is chaos. I want you to bring God's light into those places where there's darkness. And you know what that means? Like, like we said before, that means like, like I said, bringing, you know, bringing some, some shawarma over to your Babylonian neighbor, you know, cooking them a, cooking them a, you know, a pot of gumbo. I'm, I'm in the South, Louisiana. <laughs> cooking them a pot of gumbo for someone that doesn't believe like you do, that in your, in your upbringing and in your teaching is an idolater, is, doesn't belong even in the congregation of Israel. That's, that's the de- that's that's it. That's the thing. That's the call. Yeshua said um, when he sends his disciples, he says, "I want you to go, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the earth." Right? What what is that happening? That's the spread of the kingdom. That's the borders of the kingdom spreading out, and God's light and God's governmental uh, order. And and I don't mean from a, a war, you know, like king. I mean, I mean order to chaos being spread throughout the nations. Um, Seventy years, two generations. So let's get back to the text. I will bring my promise to you and bring you back to this place, Jerusalem. Verse eleven. For I know the thoughts, or I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Declares Hashem, plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. 
I will be found by you, declares Hashem, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the nations and the places where I have banished you, declares Hashem, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Ladies and gentlemen, chapter 29, verse 11 is a verse, I think Vadi Bochamp said this. He said, the verse is not for you, and it's not for me. <laughs> I love Vadi. He's just kind of out there and says what, says what it is. It's not. It was written to Israelites in exile. I mean, that's the context. That's the immediate context of the verse. But let's just think about it in terms of for us. Um, what if God's saying like, hey, I'm not going to rescue you. I do have the best for you. I do have plans to prosper you and to give you hope and to give you a future. And when you seek me, you will find me and I'll deliver you. But I have plans for you and to prosper you in exile. Wherever that may be, if it's South Louisiana or if it's, you know, wherever it, wherever the Queen, Arkansas, or wherever it might be, that's, that's a place. Um, wherever it might be, Montana, Kentucky, whatever, whatever. I have, a, I have a, a plan to prosper you and to bless you in exile, but you have to do that. You, you, have to, you have to take responsibility and you have to seek the prosperity of the city. You have to build houses and build gardens and you have to realize that this is where I am. I am here to impact this place. Verse 15, you may say, Hashem has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. But this is what Hashem says about the king who sits on David's throne and all the people who remain in this city, your fellow citizens who did not go with you into exile. Yes, this is what Hashem Almighty says. I will send, open quote, I will send the sword, famine, and plague against them, and I will make them like figs that are so bad they cannot be eaten. I will pursue them with the sword, famine, and plague, and I will make them abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth, a curse and an object of horror of scorn and reproach among all the nations where I drive them. For they have not listened to my... Who is he talking about? He's talking about the supposed prophets that the people are listening, the, the soothsayers, the ones that the, it says earlier in uh, the, the verse we read in verse 8, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. <laughs> oh, man. Verse 18, I will pursue them with the sword. Verse 19, for they have not listened to my words, declares Hashem, words that I sent to them again and again by my servants, the prophets. And you exiles have not listened either, declares Hashem. Therefore, hear the word of Hashem, all you exiles whom I have sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what Hashem Almighty, the God of Israel, says about Ahab, son of uh, Koliah, and Zedekiah, the son of Maaseh. Uh, who are prophesying lies to you in my name. I will deliver them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he will put them to death before your very eyes. Because of them, all the exiles of Judah who are in Babylon will use this curse. May Hashem treat you like Zedekiah and Ahav, whom the king of Babylon burned in the fire. For they have done outrageous things in Israel. They have committed adultery with their neighbors, wives, and in my name, and they have uttered lies, which I did not authorize. I know it and am a witness to it, declares Hashem. That's heavy. The soothsayers and the people that would like to say, hey, listen, God's going to deliver you. Yes, God is going to deliver you. Yes, God is going to redeem you. Yes, God is going to restore you. He has plans to bless you and to prosper you. Absolutely. That's what God does. 
But it doesn't mean taking you out of the place where you are necessarily. It doesn't mean delivering you from the the geographic location or from the relational location, the societal location where you are. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to bless you in that place in spite of all those things so that when you come out, you take those people with you. Maybe this is about... Maybe, you know, you, if you wonder, maybe if you're a leader, I don't know if any leaders listen to this podcast, it's probably way below your, um, your, uh, knowledge base and you know where you are. But if you're a leader and you're wondering, you have a home Bible study or you have a, a small congregation, maybe you're an outlier in your community and, you know, and you're maybe the only small group of people that, that are pursuing Torah and, you know, but still, follow Messiah, Yeshua's Messiah, and, and you're just thinking like, what in the world? What are we doing? If, you're, if, you're, um, if your tendency is to isolate, then I really want to ask you to read Jeremiah, especially 28 and 29, 30. If your tendency is to go, well, they don't like us because we're different, and you still expect God to bless you how are they going to see the blessing and the, 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 the future and the hope that you have if you're segregated and not with them? If you're not with them. If you're not working for, not just praying for, you can pray and not work. And in my opinion, a lot of times you're just cutting your prayers off at the knees. You you know, it's like praying for a job while you just sit on the couch. What do you, do you just expect money to fall on your lap? Uh, are you going to pray for finances? But when you refuse to get out and work, like there's prayer and action. They're, they're, those things go together. God, you know, God told the Israelites, hey, I, I'm going to deliver you and I have a hope and a plan for you, uh, you know, a future and a hope and a promise and all that. But like, I want you to build houses and I want you to settle down. And maybe that's what the message a lot of us need. Maybe those two words are the message a lot of us need. Settle down, settle down, take a deep breath. Maybe God has us here because this is where we're supposed to be. And we can't segregate where we are. We have to plant little pockets of Eden and we have to invite people into Eden. We have to spread Eden. We have to teach Torah to other people. We have to, we have to show Messiah to other people. We have to show the light and be the salt to other people. Verse thir- uh, chapter 30, rather. Um, I mean, the rest of chapter 29 is amazing. Uh, Shemaiah and stuff. Uh, you can read that on your own. Chapter 30 talks about the restoration. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from Hashem. This is what uh, Hashem, God of Israel, says. He talks about the restoration of, of Israel, and, and it's beautiful. Harsh at times, but Beautiful. During the last part of the of the episode, I want to I want to talk a little bit about um, how we as believers and the and how we as the body of Messiah, our number one job, ladies and gentlemen, our number one job. You see, we wear a lot of labels. We wear body of Messiah. We wear Christian. We wear believer. We wear the way. We wear you know all these different labels. In my opinion, the, the number one and top layer uh, uh, label that we should all remember is image bearer. 
That's why this is, this is called Image Bearers Radio. Because I have labeled myself a lot of things, a disciple of Yeshua. Um, you know, I was Baptist at one point. I was interdenominational at one point. I was apostolic at one point. Yeah, whatever. A lot of labels. Labels define, in a sense, but they also define narrowly. And as an image bearer, it means that we are concerned about the image, the reputation of Hashem above all else. Our sole life's goal is to make Him look good. That's what our job is. You know, here, here's the thing. Like I said, I can only influence my circle where I am. Don't be fed the lies by the government and by the media. Let's just take Nancy Pelosi as an example. If she doesn't like a certain group of people or a certain type of person, do you think Nancy lives with those people? Heck no. She has handlers and people around her that if she doesn't like a person or a type of group of people, they just keep, her, keep them away from her. And then she's going to lecture you on how you need to treat people equally or Schumer or whoever, all of, the, all of them. They're going to lecture you about living with people when they don't live with people themselves. You and I have to live with each other. We have to go to the grocery store with each other. We have to be stuck in traffic with each other. We have to go to work with each other. We have real life to deal with. And so this is about impacting where we are. This is about being salt and light where we are. Again, I hope this conversation is challenging to you. I hope it's edifying. Let's be about his image, bearing his image, seeking his reputation over ours. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.